Uh, thank you for the opportunity to get up here before you today and uh, share with you what God has placed on my heart. Uh, I started out some five weeks ago when Brother Jake asked me if I'd do this. I said, what do I preach on? He says, you, you choose it. That's too broad a subject. Uh, a guy with a mind like mine that wanders, it's hard for me to settle in on one target. But I, I asked God, I said, what do you want me to preach on? He said, he said, not verbally, but he said, Genesis. <laughs> Genesis. Uh, uh, why Genesis? He said, Genesis. And I said, okay, uh, what part of Genesis? And he said, Genesis. And so what does that mean? It means Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So before we start this morning, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we pray you'll open up the, the verses to us today. We pray that you'll just uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you have prepared for us. Uh, Lord, we have great expectations. Pray, Lord, that you'll just uh, uh, fulfill every expectation we, expectation we have here this morning. Do all this in your name. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, after this, this discussion was not a discussion. It was a, I don't know how to describe it. God was speaking, but it wasn't verbally. All right? So, lo and behold, I started preparing a, a lesson from Genesis 1-1. And guess what I found out? Genesis 1-1 is too big. It's 16 hours or 20 hours. It's not 30 minutes. So I said, okay, let's narrow it down to one or two or four verses or whatever. Started, I started reading Genesis 1-1, and then I started relating back to physics, astrophysics, cosmetology, cosmology, excuse me. It's not, doesn't have anything to do with lipstick. That, by the way, that was planned. Uh, but anyway, you start relating verse 1 1 back to physics. Verse 1 1 is four or five hours. So, again, what do you speak about? So, I, I was this morning, I was complaining about how broad Genesis was. Andrew came up to me and said, Don, would you consider teaching Genesis starting in August? Wow, God just spoke again. He gave me the opportunity to really get into what I was seeing in Genesis from studying it. So all of you that would like to learn more about Genesis, we're starting a new class come, come in August. What day? August 6th. 6th? August the 6th. We're starting a new class that's going to deal strictly with Genesis, starting with 1-1, because it is, it is phenomenal what is in Genesis. So anyway, rather than to go through all of these notes that I prepared, there's uh, about 60 hours of notes right here. Rather than go into any of that, my, my talk changed a little bit this morning after talking to Andrew. So what I'm going to do this morning is speak to you about the, uh, chapter, the day six of Genesis, and narrow it down to just day six, then I'm going to give you my personal testimony. 
related to what Andrew did this morning with me. God has spoken to me more than once over the years, and I'd like to share that with you. First, I'd like to, I'd like to read, starting in, in verse 25, chapter 1. And God made the beast of the earth according to, his, uh, according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creepeth on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over all the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every living creature, creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created me. God created you. That's what we're talking about this morning. I have an interesting story goes back to 19, let's start with 1967. 1967, I was 25 years old. I told you how old I am, by the way. I was 25 years old, attending a Sunday school class in, in First Baptist Church, Midland. And I, I got to thinking, what am I doing? The title of my, by the way, the title of the lesson today is, What Are You Doing? So I asked myself a question, what am I doing? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, nothing. You're doing nothing. So I, right there on that spot, that moment, I bowed my head and said, Lord, I commit myself to you. Whatever you want, I'll do. Face that little prayer, opened my eyes and said, Don, what have you done? What if he won't send you to Africa as a missionary? What have you done? But I really meant it. So I get up in the Sunday school class and leave, walk straight down the hallway, and our a youth minister, within five minutes of me making that commitment, Charlie, hollered at me, Don, I need to talk to you for a minute. He says, would you be, be uh, superintendent of the seventh grade department? Now, the seventh grade department uh, is divided in two halves, A and B. Our, part, our half was about 165 seventh graders. Show you how big it was. But within five minutes of me making that commitment, God gave me a job. Okay? Then, uh, pretty good, isn't it? However, I'm holding down two jobs, going to college at night, working my tail off, and trying to do the seventh grade. Uh, class, Rita, was, Rita uh, took a lot of the load while we were doing it, and God just kept working with, with us and working with us, and one night, we were in bed asleep, and our, our house was a very modest house at this time. Our bedroom was not heated, very large bedroom, but it was not heated, and one night, I went to bed, and I was really concerned about one of the boys in our seventh grade class, so I said, Lord... What are we going to do about him? You know, he, I won't call his name, but I said, what, what, what can I do about him? And the Lord said, lead him. Uh, I, I was confused. How can I lead this boy? Uh, and so that night, I had a dream. And in this dream, it gave me a devotional for Sunday morning. Woke my wife up in the middle of the night, and she said, what's the matter? What's the matter? I said, the Lord just spoke to me. She said, really? And I said, yeah. And I says, 
You notice how warm the room is? Because it was ice cold here. It was wintertime. And the room, room was toasty warm with no heat. And so, anyway, we sat up in bed and cried about it and, and discussed it. And I got up out of bed and wrote this devotional down and presented it uh, the next morning in Sunday school class. That day, that boy committed his life to Jesus Christ. So, if we allow God enough room in our lives, he will work through us. My problem back then was I didn't have much room left. I was holding out two jobs, going to school at night. Oh, left out softball. <laughs> and uh, playing, two, playing two softball leagues, playing tournaments on the weekends, I was busy. And so that was the work, not of God, but of Satan, interrupting what God had planned for me. And so then time rocks on. Let's, let's skip forward a few years. It took me 11 years, six months to work my way through college. And after I worked my way through college, I got even busier because I've become self-employed. And self-employed meant not just two jobs. It meant 18, 19, 20 hours a day, six and a half days a week or seven days a week, depending on what, what, how much money I had to collect to pay the bills. And what happened was I got to focus on the brass ring. This brass ring looks like gold. It's somewhere off out of the distance. You can see it, but you can't get to it. It looks just like gold. It shines like gold. It, it's, it's there. You know it's there. You know you can get to it one of these days if you work hard enough. I got to chase the brass ring, ignoring God. First thing you know, I wasn't doing anything in the seventh grade department and wound up uh, totally getting out of seventh grade department and attending church sporadically on Sunday mornings. And just kind of drifted away from God. Let, I let materialism interrupt God's plan. So 13 years, roughly 13 years, actually a little less than 13, I chased the brass ring. There's a lot of you in this audience today that is chasing the brass ring. Let me tell you, it will destroy your life. It will destroy everything that God has planned for you. I can, I'm, I can vouch for that. But 13 years, I chased the brass ring and absolutely gained nothing. I just grew older and had nothing more to show for it at 13 years than I did before I started. So one day, this gets interesting, 1983, 1981, excuse me, 1981, I came home. The, a couple weeks earlier than this, I, I came home. I'd worked 42 hours with no sleep and no food. And I didn't slow down enough to eat. I was trying to collect money to pay bills. I had to collect $300,000 to pay the bills. And so I'd worked right through, right through for 42 hours without even stopping to eat. I came home one evening, came in the front door, and... Rita and the, and the kids were in the living room watching TV. I came in the front door, and I was exhausted, but I did use the bathroom. So I came down the hallway, went in the front bathroom. That was the last thing I remember. Next thing I remember, Rita and one of the kids was pulling me out of the bathtub. I passed out and fell headfirst in the bathtub from exhaustion. Now, at that point, it finally got through to me what I was doing. That I, was, that I was chasing that brass ring and wasting my time. So we didn't sit on the couch. Well, a couple days later, it was a Friday. 
I go home again, exhausted. Went in and sat on the couch, and I told Rita, I says, we need to change our lifestyle. This is not working. And so I picked pick up the middle reported telegram, newspaper in Midland, opened it up to one ad section, and here's an ad for a lake lot on Lake Palapinto. So I asked Rita, I said, where is Lake Palapinto? <laughs> I had no idea where it was. We looked at lake lots on Colburn and Brownwood. I had no idea where lake, uh, this lake was, Lake Palapinto. So there was a phone number there, and I called the phone number. And a gentleman answered the phone, and his last name was Nix, by the way, Joe Nix. Uh, he answered the phone. He says, uh, how'd you get my number? And I said, well, it's a newspaper here in Midland. He says, I haven't advertised. I said, yeah, you've advertised. It's here in the paper. He says, I said, I want to look at the lots you got. He said, well, we just finished surveying them today. This was Friday. He said, we just finished surveying them today. He said, but however, you can come down tomorrow morning and we'll look at them. I said, I'll meet you at 9 o'clock. Uh, he told me where to meet him. So we met Joe. And he had 48 lots that he just surveyed. <clears throat> and uh, so we drove around and looked at them. Well, I, I bought three off of them. Well, I bought two then and one later on uh, off of him. And uh, he asked me again, said, how did you hear about us? And I said, well, it was in the paper. He said, I haven't advertised. I said, yeah, you did. It was in the paper. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. When I get back to Midland, I'll tear that ad out and send it to you. So Rita and I, Saturday evening, got back home. I marched to the house, walked over to the couch, picked up the Friday's newspaper, opened it up. Can't find it. So I gave her the newspaper. I said, find that ad for me. I can't find it. She couldn't find it. It wasn't in the paper. That ad was not in that paper. God was speaking to us again. So I know it sounds a little fictitious, but I got a witness. So it's that right over here. A little witness to verify everything. God spoke to us that moment. And because I had made a commitment that we need to change our lifestyle, and God heard it. So he led us to Palo Pinto County and, and uh by, by bringing these lake, lake lots to us, a lake we've never heard about, he moved us here for a reason. So we joined First Baptist Church. We moved, well, it took us till 1988 to sell our house. We had a very large house in Midland. Uh, very large house payment, too. Very large utility bills. We were living the large life. We were not living God's will. Anybody here guilty of that? Yes. So anyway, we had this big old house, hard to sell. So it took, uh, I, I'd gone to Dallas in the meantime to help my brother. He got sick, and I was going to Dallas for helping him do some work. And uh, I closed my business down in middle of Odessa, sold everything off, and I got out of the construction business. So we put the house on the market, couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it. Couldn't sell it. Well, that's good. I, I'm in Dallas helping my brother. And finally, in 80, uh, 80, what was it, 86, 87, 88, okay, 88, uh, we finally sold the house. All right. And we rented a little, little house here in Minden Wells. I started construction on the house out the lake. Uh, 
and not knowing exactly what God wants us to do here, we, we probably went in the process of moving down here. Our daughter graduated from Minerals High School in 88. And uh, so we're here in, in Palo Pinto County not knowing exactly what God wanted from us. So we were attending uh, First Baptist Church, uh, uh, Mineral Wells here. Then we finally got the house where we moved into it. I think it wasn't finished. Still not finished, by the way, that original house. Uh, don't never move into houses not finished. Even if, even if you are a construction worker. <laughs> uh, so we moved into this house. Well, it's pretty good ways into Mineral Wells, so we joined First Baptist Church Gordon. What an education. First really small church that, that really I'd ever been into, been part of. And uh, so shortly, uh, I was asked to be a deacon there and accept the responsibility of being a deacon, or the privilege, maybe I should say, of being a deacon in, in uh, First Baptist Gordon. Things in First Baptist Church Gordon didn't, never were just exactly right. Uh, nothing ever worked out just exactly right. The, uh, the people were okay. There was a problem there. I, don't, I still can't put my finger on it, what the problem was. So finally we left there and came to where God wanted us to be, right here. This is where God intended for us to be in 1981. So we moved our membership to, to this, this church group right here when this building was incomplete. We're across the street over here, having two services a day. And so God moved us in this little church, and still not understanding what God wanted us to do, we accepted the challenge. And today we're here trying to serve the Lord. And I hope that, that God continues to work through us. Me being up here today is an answer to what God wants me to do. When Andrew asked me this morning if I would teach that class, I said, thank you, Lord. Because the very thing that I asked God to do, he has done. He's given me the opportunity to be a witness. I, he gave me the opportunity to be here before you today. My question is, and when we, by the way, regressed a minute, the title to the day's lesson is, What Are You Doing? Doing, excuse me. It's supposed to be, What You Doing? But uh, the grammar didn't agree with the person that typed it, I guess. <laughs> I'm country folk. I'm country folk. But I know how to listen to the Lord. Too many years I wasted not listening to the Lord. My question is to you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you listening? God is speaking. We've got missionaries here today. God is speaking through them. God is speaking to Rita and I. God is speaking to everybody in this room. What are you doing? Are you listening? God is speaking, dear one. What is he saying? Is he saying, go sit in the pew? Is he saying, be a missionary? Is he saying, talented people? We have, we have all kinds of talented people in this audience today. Some of them are on stage this morning. It's unbelievable the amount of talent that I see in this audience right here today. What are you doing? Are you sharing your talent with people around you? 
let me let me back up a bit about, about sharing your talent. I have the gift of gab. If you haven't picked up on, I'm I'm a salesman by trade. Okay, how do I know I'm a salesman? Because God told me I was. All right, back when I was in college, I had a, a, a business management major, and I said, Lord. How can this major benefit you? And he said, and he said to me, not verbally, but you're a speaker. Be a salesman. So God directed me to being a salesperson. By the way, there's three kinds of salespeople. There's an order taker. He picks up the phone and says, yes, ma'am, we have three of them. There's a salesman who goes out and knocks doors and, and develops market. But there's the peddler. The peddler is the guy that goes to his competition and talks him into throwing his product away and buying mine. That's a peddler. Well, I consider myself a peddler because uh, it, it paid off. Where did I get that? Lord gave me the ability to ta- uh, tell people about what he wants to tell them about uh, or sell in this case. God gives us all abilities. How are you using yours? Awful quiet, dear, this morning. Uh, I'm not trying to shame you, but we all have talents. Maybe it's working in the nursery. We've got Awanas coming up. Maybe it's working in Awanas. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class or a, uh, a class in this church. Maybe it's a new class like Andrew offered me this morning. There are opportunities for you to use your talent to glorify God. What are you doing? Teenagers, what are you doing? Why are you here? God brought you here. How many of you have a similar story to one I just told about God moving you here? How many of you moved here because of circumstances that God set up for you? If that be the case, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're all leaders. Everyone here is a leader. Everyone here is a salesman. Mothers, you're salespeople. You're leaders in the household. You've got to sell those kids on how, what, how to dress to go to school, when to go to school, when to do this, when to do that. You're selling day and night, mothers. Fathers, you're salespeople. You're selling your family on respect, courage, obedience, to who? Should be to God. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Is it for your glory? God's glory. We have the opportunity where you make a choice. Do I want to chase the brass ring? Or do I want to follow God? I just gave you witness to the fact that the brass ring does not pay off. It never will pay off. So if you're if you're chasing materialistic things, you'll wind up with things, not eternity. I prefer eternity. I <laughs> 
don't like these kind of lectures. But with things like they are, I think God wants this message in this group today because he kept changing. He kept putting th- obstacles in my course to block me from teaching Genesis 1-1. I will teach it, but it will be in a class. It will be much more interesting than what's going on this morning. But Genesis 1-1 is about beginnings. Beginnings. God, in the beginning, God. Okay? It's the first creation of man. It's the first creation of earth. It's first, 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 first. All Genesis, the whole book of Genesis is a book of first. This is day of first today. Make a decision for God. Make a reason for being here. Make yourself known as a person of God. It's amazing. I got one more story I'd like to tell you. Uh, we got plenty of time. One more story I'd like to tell you. A lot of you in here have heard this story. Houston, Texas. I had a, a customer in Houston, Texas that just bought a brand new paint store and he wanted to put my product at his store. He called me and said, Don, would you come down and help me call on fence and deck builders and, and encourage them to put their, your product in, in their stores? And I said, I, I will, Don. He says, when can you meet me? And I said, let's meet on Wednesday. And I said, that'd be the best day for me. So I loaded some product up he ordered. I drove down to Houston and didn't think about securing a motel room before I left Midland. I mean, I left uh, Dallas. Got to Houston, no motel rooms available. There was some kind of a convention going on in Houston. So I wound up staying on Katy Freeway in a bad part of Houston. I mean... Ten-foot fences around the motel, wrought iron fences. You had to ring a buzzer to get in. Um, I, I thought, well, okay, it's got a big fence. I'm safe here. So I check into this motel, and it was really cheap. It was like $95 a night. I don't know why, because I was the only person there that night. Anyway, I checked into this motel and locked my car up and carried my suitcase in the motel room. And I got in there, and I thought, Boy, this might be a seedy neighborhood I'm staying in here on Katy Freeway. I said, Lord, I need your protection. I need you to make sure I make it through the night here because anything could happen here. I said, please, watch over me tonight as I sleep. And I said, by the way, tomorrow, put somebody in my path I can witness to. And calmly laid down, went right, right to sleep. During the night, I had a dream. And the dream was a long counter. And behind the counter was a real attractive Hispanic lady. And on the counter was a brown Gideon Bible. That was a dream, total. I woke up the next morning, I thought, that's kind of dumb. Uh, what, what does that mean, you know? Uh, it kind of spooked me a little bit that, that he presented this to me in this way. But at the same time, what does it mean? So anyway... I get up, and I get my theft put together. I called Don Stacy. I said, where do you want to meet? He said, well, let's meet at IHOP. We'll eat breakfast. So I made him at IHOP, and uh, then we took my car over to his paint store, got his vehicle, drove to Conroe. And he said, I've got a big fence con- big, uh, fence contractor in uh, Harris County that I want you to uh, give your pitch to. 
I was like, let's go. So we get out to Conroe, get out of the car, and walk in. Here's this counter right straight in front of me. The young lady that I saw in the dream is sitting behind the counter, and there's the Gideon Bible on the counter. Cold chills up and down my spine. So I walked up to her. I says, what's your relationship to Jesus Christ? And she said, what? And I said, what's your relationship to Jesus Christ? She said, I'm Catholic. I said, it has nothing to do with it. I said, what's your relationship to Jesus Christ? She said, well, I don't understand. I said, let me tell you. <laughs> I witnessed to her, and she accepted Christ right there on the spot. Big tears run down her face. And she says, would you talk to my fiancé? I want him to hear this. I says, well, where is he? He says, he's down the hall and estimating. So we walked down the hallway, and there's her fiancé sitting there. Uh, I don't quite remember what he was doing. Uh, drink a cup of coffee or something another. And so I walked in, and I says, what's your relationship to Jesus Christ? Same pitch I gave her. And he says, I'm Catholic. And I said, okay, what's your relationship to Jesus Christ? He couldn't answer me because he'd never thought about it. He was Catholic. He didn't have to think about it. He had the priest. And so I, 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 I led him to Christ right there on the spot. Something else happened that I didn't know about till about six months later. Got a phone call. Don Stacy. He says, Don, he says, I want to thank you. And I says, What what for? He says, You remember we went out to Conroe and you told those two people about Jesus Christ? He said, I said, Yeah. He says, You were speaking to me too. And I says, really? He says, yeah, me and my wife have neglected church for 40 years. He said, we started attending church again. He said, I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. So we never know what God is going to do through us until we make a commitment to let him to do it through us. Let me encourage you to get down on your knees or lay down in your bed or lay down on the floor, or stand up straight, and say, God, here I am. Use me. You will be surprised at what God will do through you. He's here. He's here in this room. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's waiting for us to make a commitment. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It doesn't have to be a missionary to Thailand. It doesn't have to be a missionary to darkest Africa. It doesn't have to be anything except what God wants you to do. And he will do it through you if you make the commitment. Come sitting in the pew is not a commitment. It's a comfortable chair. We have to to be willing to listen to God's will, not negotiate with God. You can't negotiate with God. I will go if. Uh, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your breath. You're wasting, you're, wasting every, you're wasting everything. Make a commitment to God. God will give you access to the people he wants you to have access to. I have other stories, too, about witnessing. Where God led me to somebody for some reason that I had no idea. There's motel, there's motel uh, concierge. There's uh, waitresses in Western restaurants that I've witnessed, too, that... 
I didn't know these people, but I was God committed myself to being a witness for Jesus Christ. He gave me the opportunity to do so. And you, the thing about it is, when he gives you the opportunity, he don't say here's an opportunity. You know it automatically. He speaks to you through the Spirit. You know automatically that you're speaking to these people. My favorite way to speak to them is what's your relationship with Jesus Christ. It gets, catches them off guard. You're not preaching to them. You just ask them a question. What's your relationship? And when they say, well, I don't understand what you're saying. There's the, there's the <laughs> as a salesman, there's the closing question. A salesman always waits for a closing question. What color does it come in? And when you, when you get them to the point where they say, well, I don't understand about Jesus Christ, that is a closing question. Close the deal. Wait us to them about Jesus Christ. Close the deal right there. Most of us are scared to death to even mention Jesus Christ in public, let alone witness to people in public. There's nothing to it. Just open your mouth and tell them about Jesus. That's all it is. And it works every time. What are you doing? What are you doing? Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be your witness, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to hear this word from you, Lord. Uh, forget Don Malton. He's nothing. We, Lord, we just uh, love you. We pray, Lord, that you give each person in this room the opportunity today to be a witness. What are we doing, Lord? What are we doing? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I was just thinking, um, as Don was sharing his story and then asking, what are you doing? What has God called you to do? Uh, several places in the New Testament, Paul sort of answers that question for himself. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, uh, this is what he said to the church at Corinth. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. <clears throat> not all of us are going to be apostles, <laughs> or none of us will be apostles like Paul. Not all of us will be missionaries, but I would encourage you, uh, just as, John, as Don did, <clears throat> to commit yourself to knowing the gospel of Christ and to sharing it with other people. We can all do that. No matter what you do for work, no matter where you live, you can resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified and to proclaim that good news to other people. You say, Andrew, what is the gospel? The gospel begins with the reality that we have sinned. God's standard is perfection because he is infinitely holy and none of us can meet his standard. Not a single one. The whole story of the Old Testament is really a people... Uh, learning that they cannot meet the standard that God requires of us. And so he sent his own son to be fully God, fully man, 
to meet that standard on our behalf. Because you can't meet it, I can't meet it, but Jesus is the only one in human history that can meet the standard of the righteousness of God. He lived that righteousness, and now through the virtue through virtue of his cross and his resurrection, he offers that righteousness to you. And for those of us who have trusted in Christ and received him as Lord and Savior and have known the power of the gospel that Paul preaches about. We're ready to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified and to offer that good news to other people. So just by way of sort of piggybacking on Don's message, I would encourage you, do you know the gospel? Have you experienced the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ? Do you, can you stand righteous before a holy God because of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to you? If so, make that the passionate, all-encompassing passion of your life. Make that what you know. Make that what you share. If you don't know Christ, if you've never given your life to him, you can do that today. I would urge you. Paul says, I implore you, be reconciled to Christ. Be reconciled to God. You can make that decision today. In fact, I'm going to call a couple of the elders. They're going to be on the front rows here when we sing. We'll sing a response um, of thanks to God for what he's done for us in Christ. If you want to receive Christ today to, to ask him for forgiveness, come and talk to one of our elders. Talk to a member of this church. They'll be able to lead you in that. If you know him, if you belong to him already, then I would just urge you, commit yourself to knowing the gospel, to sharing the gospel. Because uh, that is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So would you stand with me? Would you sing this song uh, just as a thanksgiving to the Lord?